Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Minogue from OpenView's expansion team, where I help software startups accelerate their revenue growth to build long-lasting companies. This season on Build, we're talking about product-led growth. Each week, I'll speak with tech executives and founders to hear firsthand how they've leveraged a product-led growth model to put product at the center of their acquisition, conversion, and expansion strategies to achieve a rapid and efficient scale. Now on with the show. Today, we're going to be talking all about customer onboarding. A customer's growth trajectory is so dependent on the first few interactions with a company, and we'll be discussing how you can design your onboarding strategy to put every single customer on the right path. Today, I'm joined by Lynn Soflius, who has held leadership roles across sales and customer success at B2B SaaS startups like Insightly to large tech companies like Microsoft and LinkedIn. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us, how did you first become so passionate about this topic of onboarding and customer success? Well, it's very obvious whether you speak to customers or executives at companies or look at data that you know onboarding and those first moments or sessions or hours with a solution and the team you know, really need to be positive and a customer needs to feel like they're going to be successful. So in my experience, if you have onboarded a customer successfully, you will keep them. So their onboarding experience is just a key driver to retention. So knowing how critical that is and knowing when you talk to customers and they outline their reasons for why they left, usually in the top five onboarding and training can be one of them. So for me, when I look at what my goals are and making customers successful and having that information on how critical onboarding is for retention, it's impossible to not be passionate about it and to get it right. For sure. And you've had the unique experience of leading customer-facing teams from customer success to sales to much larger organizations. So can you share a bit about your background? Sure. So I spent about a decade at Microsoft where I launched the dynamic CRM solution and worked on that pre-revenue through several, several releases and several million dollars and now is a huge business. And in that experience, like I said, I focused on product marketing, product management, sales, and marketing. And that experience lended itself extremely well to customer success. So after I left Microsoft, I held roles leading teams in marketing and sales. And then when I went to Insightly, I actually was interviewing to become the leader of their business development team. But it was, however, the venture firm and the CEO that brought me in and said, hey, we would actually like you to run customer success. So those were my sort of first experiences in years and true roles with the title customer success. But I feel like I've done it throughout my career. And one of the things I just love is really customer-facing roles and helping customers and really seeing them get value and be successful, you know, in their journey, in their companies, and as they use, you know, the solutions that my team are managing and running. So you hit on this before, but onboarding is so important in the customer journey. It basically sets the customer up for hopefully a successful path if done well. So as you now advise with fast-growing startups who are in the early phases of building out this onboarding strategy, what are some of your guiding principles that you communicate to them that are important? Yeah, I share a few things with them and, and having spent so much time with them and frankly, different companies 
startups or large companies and really seeing a lot of common themes. So what I like to share with you today, as well as with the customers that I work with today, is really understand from the customer's perspective on why they signed up for your solution, not how you measure success and what features you want them using, but you want to understand their company goals. Are they using the solution because they want to save money? Are they doing it because they think they'll make money? Are they trying to save time? Like, what are the key things they think are success and what sort of checkboxes do they mark for that sort of mac what I call the macro picture of success and the success plan? Then from your company's perspective, what I tell people are understand the features that lead to retention. What are those, call them five, eight, ten features, whatever that number might be, when you have when you look at your data that you see, hey, if these customers are using those features in the first you know, three months or five months, we know we're going to keep them. And some of you might not have that data, but common sense, just your pure common sense, start with there. What features do you want your customers using? So for example, I've worked on various CRM solutions in my career, and we knew it was about what we call data in and connecting to other solutions. And so what I mean by that is we knew if a customer would import their contacts into the CRM solution, they were likely going to stay with us. If we saw a customer connect a CRM solution to an ERP system or another type of system or started to access the solution through a mobile application or set up processes like around sales processes, those are things that we knew would drive retention and really keep our customers. They were making a commitment to our solution. So I just tell customers, find out exactly what you know in terms of retention features and drive your customers towards those features so you'll keep them. For sure. And especially as, quite honestly, that the SaaS market is just growing in terms of competition, it feels like there's being increased pressure of actually setting up customers for success faster and better than ever before. And I think that trend is only increasing as month-to-month contracts become more popular or even pay-as-you-go models in SaaS are becoming more popular. So really that value from day one is really critical for adoption and retention. So as you think about helping companies drive towards those call it five to 10 features that are important for retention. How do you help them think about the first few moments with a customer? Yeah, so I think about, you know, whether you call it a wow moment or that delightful moment, whether it's an interaction with the product or even with your success team. So if whether you, when they're using the product, they just are like, wow, this is so easy and this saves me so much time. So I'll come back to the CRM example. We, you know, it sounds very basic and simple. When a customer sort of imported their data into our solution, it it was a wow moment. People just, it was like a drag and drop. It was super simple. And people had all of their customer information in one place. Now, often these customers were coming from using spreadsheets, which was manual and time consuming. And it's sort of this like, wow, this is going to be easy this is going to save me time. So think about that interaction with your product that wows the customer and makes their job easier or even fun. You know, I I think about what can a team do when they onboard a customer, whether it's on the phone or in person, set up a, a fun contest, 
say, hey, the first 10 users to finish the onboarding checklist gets a prize or send them a, fur, a fun gift right when you start that first onboarding session. So I just think of whether they're wow moments or fun moments, how can you do that for the customers that you onboard really goes a long way. That's a great point. Thinking about how you can delight them in a way that may be unexpected. Exactly. Love how you said that. So for a lot of SaaS businesses that are adopting more of product-led strategies or thinking about, you know, how do we put the product at the forefront of onboarding and ultimately customer success? And a lot of that comes down to more of self-service activities where it's the customer interacting directly with the product. What are some ways you think a company should integrate self-service into an overarching onboarding experience? Yes. So I think about those retention features that we talked about earlier, you know, in the my CRM example, obviously every company will have different features for that, but really thinking about those retention features that you know are common to your customers. And then I think about do this with every customer, whether it's a high touch experience, meaning a one-on-one experience with the customer success manager to get you onboarded and successful, or it's through self-service activities. So I think of that as your customer marketing communications that come out. So imagine when you've signed up for a solution, immediately you start to get these communications about the first things that you should start to do with the product. And marketing is an incredibly valuable tool that is very cost-effective and can be used with your enterprise customers as well as your SMB customers to get them going. In addition, I think about what are the one-to-many webinars you can run. So those one-to-many webinars should look exactly like a high-touch experience, except that it's recorded and that it's with, you know, call it 10 customers or 20 users instead of one one-on-one experience with a CSM. And then the last thing I'll mention that I'm just a huge fan of, I think of myself as an infomercial around community. I think creating a community and an amazing community that's a fun experience is a great way to drive engagement with your customers. That's a great point. And so for community, what are some specific examples of ways that a SaaS startup can start to think about building out that community? Yeah, so that's a great question. We launched our community when I was at Insightly. And first of all, hired a a fantastic community manager. I would say that should be your first step. She was fantastic, a real, a person that could really take great initiative and had a great vision for what the community should be like. So like anything that you do, always think about, hey, what's the plan? What's the goal of our community? Is our goal about customer service, reactive support? Is it about engagement? Is it about creating a fun community? And it may be all those things. And frankly, for us at Insightly, that's what it was about. And we initially, you have to get all your content in there, the obvious, get your knowledge base in there. You have to, as I say, you don't want to bring somebody into the community when the party's not going, right? So you've (laughs) got to have content in there. And then what we did is you've got to, what I, I think of is recruit your power users. Who are your top people who are really active? And you know that through data. Who are your real users that are real innovators on the product? Recruit them. You know, some people call them heroes or ambassadors. These are people that are already in your community. They're starting conversations. They're helping your team answer questions. You know, we had 20 heroes in the beginning around the world. 
So we actually weren't running customer service, the reactive support part, 24 by 7 yet. So we actually had our customers, the experts, answering questions when we were, you know, asleep and not able to answer questions. So I say get the parting going first with content, power users, and then slowly start to open up the community. And when I say slowly, for us that meant first we opened it up to our paid users. Those were people that were more active and using the product more. Once we had our paid users going and we knew the party was going, as I like to say, we then opened it up to free users. You know, at that point we had thousands and thousands and thousands of customers in our community. What you have to remember though is it can't stay static. Customers come there for new content and that's either content about your product or it's content about the category that you're in. And the more importantly, they come there to engage with their peers. So find ways to drive to drive engagement with your peers. They frankly want to hear more from them than from the vendor. And then the last thing I'll say, and who doesn't, you know, who doesn't love a great contest? Create contests in that community and make community every part of the step. So when we would launch a new feature, we would prepare our CSMs, we would have customer marketing going, and we would have webinars going, and we would also have the community going. We would be running Q&A sessions all day long about how to you know, learn this new feature. I love what you mentioned about building a community and actually hiring a community manager to lead that because it's not something you want to do half-ass, right? It's something, if you're going to commit to it, you want to be clear on what the goal of it is and how you're going to continue to build it because it's not a one-and-done type of job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you can have a, a very bad experience with the community in that it's a public forum. If it's not managed properly, it can go south very, very quickly and do damage, severe damage. So I, I would tell people not to open a community until they're ready and they have somebody who can really run it and manage it. So you also mentioned contests, which spurred gamification in my mind. So we're definitely seeing a rise in gamification of onboarding as a way to progress customers down the journey and make the experience more interactive and a little bit more exciting, and also to spur more engagement across a given organization. So what's your take on gamification and the role of it in onboarding? I think it's a great idea in that you know, everyone is so busy today, too busy. They have all kinds of priorities. And you need to find a way to make onboarding a priority for them. And while you can sit here and say, you have to do this, or their boss might say, you have to do this, they may or may not do it. So I think, like I said, everybody loves the contest and gamification and watching their progress. People love to do that. So if you signed up with a trainer, for example, and you watch great progress, you're feeling better, you know, you're eating better, you're making progress in how you want to look like you will continue to do that and follow that plan. So I Think of it in a similar way around how you can get people to use your product and gamification and contests and things like that are super ways to do that. So you could do something as simple as in your product, you put a little progress bar and you have it. It's an onboarding progress bar. And each time you do, you know, one of the 10 features that you've been told to do that don't only include the things that you think are good, include the things that they think are success in onboarding. It might be, 
hey, when we have everyone worldwide using the product, we think that looks like success. So adding those things, I think that they say, and then including that in the whole onboarding experience. And like I said, through gamification, you can do that with a progress bar across the product. You also can do, you know, a silly contest, like say that, like I mentioned before, the first 10 users that finish the checkboarding list, get a $100 gift certificate to take themselves and somebody else to dinner. Or you could even, I mean, I've seen contests where there's like a goofy little plastic trophy and people, you know, the, the sheer sort of competition and fun peer dynamic drives people to do things. You know, I also think you can do fun and this is sort of separate from gamification around your product, but I think it's about engagement. So in our community, we ran a contest telling customers, hey, submit a video on how you get success using Insightly. Submit the video. And if you win, we'll do a case study. We'll give you a gift certificate. You know, we sort of outlined a bunch of fun things and things related to them. And so we had, we got a whole bunch of great content from our customers about how they're using our solution. We actually couldn't narrow it down to one. We picked three and then we shared those with other customers who found tremendous value out of them. So I think just making it fun, like I said, and gamification really, really can do wonders. And I think it comes back to that fun experience or that wow moment where customers are like, I love this product. And, and you want them to say that in the context of the product itself, but also the experience with every team member in the company, whether it's marketing or customer success, that that experience should just feel the same and it should feel outstanding and fun. That's a great transition. So We've talked about self-service and the importance of having a product-led experience, but as you mentioned, the actual team members who are helping to also provide the experience also play an important role. And so as SaaS businesses are thinking about creating a success organization for the first time and defining the roles between sales and CS, there's a lot of different paths you could take. So in your opinion, what's the best way to actually structure teams and who should tackle onboarding versus retention versus expansion? Yeah, so I think, you know, this is a question where there's always just great debate around who should be doing what and when, and I'm going to give the cliche answer of it depends. However, that depends is really around, you have to understand, like, what is the stage of your product? And in the sort of the maturity of your product, as well as the stage of your company. And so what I think is very common, and and I did this and most startups do this, is, you know, a CSM starts out and they, honestly, they can be doing everything from reactive support to onboarding, to account management, to renewals, to upsells, like you name it, they're they're doing the, the whole thing. And again, I think that's very typical. And I think in the beginning, you know, that works great that you need to be scrappy and you need people that are doers and can be flexible. And then I think as your business grows, what worked last year may not work this year. And you have to think about scale and consistency and growth and the experience for your your customer. Although you need to think about that experience from the very beginning. How are you going to scale when you have you know, now a team of 10 or 20 or 50, and everyone's kind of doing it however they see fit, because that's how it worked before. And that's when I think you start to specialize. 
So you absolutely separate reactive support and proactive, you know, customer success and training and things like that. And I think you then you take it further by, you know, you have a team that that only does onboarding. Onboarding is an intense, time intensive experience. And you're really engaged with the customer in those first 90 days. And then they tend to be kind of off and running. And so you can separate out those who love onboarding and those who do it well, and then call it post 90 days. You have another team. It's still customer success. It's just a separate person that's doing the ongoing account management. Another way to think about it is when a deal is sold, how big is that deal? Is it only capturing, you know, one third of the team that should really be using the product? They're sort of trying it out. Or is the deal being sold at like 70% and mostly sold? And really it's about a relationship and managing that customer and continuing to grow that customer. But if it's the first scenario and you're, you know, you've only got say 25% or a third of the addressable market in that customer, that's really a hunting job. And I really see that as a sales role versus a customer success role. The organization would look much different than what you explained at Insightly when you were just building out the team and it was more of a wear many hats, learn as much as you can, help the customer in many different ways. Exactly. And I think it's it was, you know, you do everything. And it, when I was at Insightly, when we first started those CSM roles and as you grow and you know, this happens with larger companies, you just start to separate out things more. You know, the one thing that I'll say that continues to be true, no matter how big a company is, you know, really representing that voice of customer and really sort of seeing your CSM team, I think, leading that effort. And I'll just touch on what I mentioned before about community. And I, I think that is the key place to get all of your customers in one place to share their feedback about the solution and prioritize those features, you know, have a section in your community, which, you know, people call vote up and customers go there. So we took very little feedback. I mean, we would certainly see feedback on the, on customer support as an example, or when a CSM heard feedback during a call, we'd say, this is great feedback and I want to make sure it's heard. So I'm going to show you the community and I want you to see on an ongoing basis where you can vote for features. Because we really know when you look at data, one of the reasons customers leave is, you know, the product's not doing what they need. And so leveraging a community and voice of customer, I think, to drive that retention piece is really critical. And again, really, I think your CSMs and your CSM team are the main point for that sort of representing that customer. For sure. And I actually love that vote up idea because what I see so often is the customer is providing feedback, whether that's to the CSMs or to sales or even to marketing. But so many businesses struggle with the way to collect that information in a scalable way and actually be able to glean insights from it. So the vote up is actually a great way to turn it back to the customer and give them the power to provide that feedback in a way that can be structured and ultimately analyzed by the team. Exactly. And everyone has view to that. You know, an engineer can look on the community and see what's trending or somebody in marketing can look on the community and you hear it directly from the customer, not something that is consolidated through another person at the company. 
Love that. So we've talked a lot about onboarding and the importance of success in general. My last question for you is, how do you see onboarding and general customer success evolving over the future? I see things evolving in a very positive way for customer success in that I think it will only continue to be important. I think it's an area that is continuing to grow, you know, as SaaS has, you know, you see more and more SaaS solutions. You know, I recently talked to a customer that was just converting their on-premise solution to a SaaS solution. And those customer success roles will continue to be important. I think they will continue to become elevated roles and the value of that role will only continue that if a customer signs up for your solution and they are not happy, you lose them. It's the biggest waste of money to go get a new customer and bring them in only to lose them again. And customer expectations are high. They want things to be easy. They tend to be more well-versed in technology and they have greater demands and they have less time. So if your customer experience or your solution isn't outstanding or epic, you'll lose a customer. And that depends on a great customer success team and leader and a company that values that experience. You know, I think you'll see more customer success leaders evolving into CEO roles because customer success touches every part of the business, whether it's marketing, sales, and product. These are key roles that influence the entire company. And to be successful, I think, in a customer success role shows, I think, the strength of your leadership and I think having vision and really being able to drive a company forward is really about having great customer success. And I think those companies that don't think about that, they're going to get left behind quite quickly. So obviously, I am a big fan of customer success. (laughs) You and me both. Well, Lynn, with that, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your perspectives. We loved having you. Well, thank you. I very much enjoyed it. And I hope we continue the dialogue in the future. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can subscribe to our newsletter that is sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators and founders every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Or you can follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture. Until next time.